we're going to open up our Bibles to John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Slap your neighbor a high five. Tell him, welcome to church. Welcome to church. Come on. Uh, you may be familiar with this passage of Scripture, but it's, it's a passage of Scripture that is um, really known in all of Christianity. But this is from the TPT translation, which is the Passion Translation, somewhat of a paraphrase translation. And it says, For here is the way God loved the world. He gave his only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will not perish, but experience everlasting life. Verse 17, that's where I'm going to preach from today. God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world. I want to read that again. He says, he says, let me tell you why I did not send Jesus into this world. I want to, I want to make that clear. God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but to be its savior and to rescue it, which is to say there is something about saving people and rescuing people that cannot be connected to judgment and condemnation. If you got a toolbox ready to save and rescue some people, you can leave your judgment out of that toolbox. You can leave your condemnation out of that toolbox because it is not needed. There's something about saving and rescuing people that is absent of judgment and condemnation. Does anybody believe that in this place? That's it. That's all I'm going to talk about today. As I talk about part two of our series, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. And if you're not taking notes, take notes. My title is Kuhau is a judgment free zone. That was a good time to say amen. I'm just saying that. Kuhau is, listen to me clear. I want you to know something about our church community. Last week we spoke about Kuhau is a church of purpose. And if you didn't watch it, I want you to go back and watch that message, especially if you're part of this church community. That Kuhau is, you have to know that about this church. It's a church of purpose. The second thing I want you to know about this church community is that Kuhau is a judgment-free, a judgmental-free, a condemnation-free zone. So Jesus, we come to you right now, Lord God, just as we are, Lord God, and we say, do with us as you please. We thank you for your grace and your mercy that is all up in this house. And we pray, Lord God, that you speak to our hearts, Lord God, not just information not just something that we walk out of here with more knowledge but Lord that we walk out of here Lord God with our heart that is transformed that our heart is leaning towards you in Jesus name we pray amen and amen give God some praise in this house um, you know I, I think that we can all agree with this statement that I think that we would all agree in saying that an environment and an environment absolutely impacts a person's life. How many of you would agree with that? That your environment will absolutely impact your way of life. Some people might even say this. Some, pe some people might say it is absolutely inevitable that if you are in an environment, that environment would somehow shape, mold, and influence what it is that you do. This is why many, of our, many entrepreneurs would advise you more important than changing your plans or changing your habits or even changing your goals is to change your environment. And this is why I took Lisa from the environment of the grimy streets of Brooklyn and brought her to the safe haven and to the holy place of Grasmere, Staten Island, New York. Come on, somebody. Come I know I probably shared that joke a thousand times and it feels just as good as the last time I said it. But I want to I show you this picture in all seriousness. I want to show you this picture before we even put up the picture. This is a place called Death Valley. Everybody shout Death Valley. See, in this place called Death Valley, it's a place that is the, it's considered the lowest part 
of the of North America. Uh, I love the way Chris Hodges puts it in his book as he speaks on it. Um, uh, what's next? He he uses this illustration and he and he shows this picture. It's it's Death Valley. Who we put that up on the screen? This is the hottest place in the world. The second hottest place is Lisa's neck. She's just fuming all the time. I'm just joking. She's my, I call her my sting. Like when I get cold that night, I just hold on to her. And then I start getting sweaty and I'm like, get thee behind me. I'm just, but this is actually the hottest place in all of North America. It's, it's the lowest place. It's dry. It's hot. It's humid. And listen to me and nothing grows there. Now, now, why is that important? Because what happens is, is in the last 50 years, what they discovered, I began to do a, 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 some research on Death Valley. And what I discovered is that in the last 50 years, it's rained more than it's ever rained in the previous 50 years. And particularly in 2005, what took place, listen to me, took from 2004, 2005, all the way to spring 2000, and, I'm sorry, fall 2004, all the way to spring 2005, what took place was 6.4 inches of rain throughout those months. And can I show you what happened in Death Valley in spring of 2005? Could we put that up? This was called soup, the super bloom of 2005 in Death Valley. I find that amazing, amazing because it amazes me that what was once dead and dry and what was once condemned for plant growth and for fruit growth in due time began to flourish when it was placed in the right climate, the right situation, the right condition, the right environment. You see, when we began this church, Christ Uncensored, a few years ago, and we set out to launch a church in Staten Island, what we set out was to have a church that would always be a judgment-free zone. Why? Because if you ever want to experience spiritual growth, if you ever want to experience heart transformation, it will never happen in a dry, death-breeding, condemning judgmental environment you might be able to see some type of com compliance you might even be able to see some type of rule keeping you might even be able to see some adherence to certain laws and certain regulations you might be even be able to see some behavior modification but if you're ever going to see true heart transformation if you're ever going to see a blooming of spirituality if you're ever going to see your spiritual life grow and excel and flourish it would only happen where you allow the grace of God to reign on you so that the grace of God can reign in you. It's only in an environment where faults and offenses are forgiven. It's only in an environment where sin abounds. Guess what? Grace abounds all the more. It only happens in an environment where Grace covers a multitude of sin. It's in a place where Jesus is proclaimed, where love is given freely, where forgiveness is extended to everyone. It's in that kind of environment that we can experience, listen, heart transformation. It's in that place that we can experience heart transformation. And what I want to do for the next few moments is that I want to talk to you about what a judgment-free environment looks like. I want to talk to you about what a judgment-free environment looks like. And in John chapter 3, why are we a church that is a judgment-free zone? The reason that we are a church that is a judgment-free zone is because Jesus always created an environment that was judgmental-free. I need you to listen to that. The reason that this church, there's something that I noticed about Jesus, that everywhere he went... Do you know that any people from every walks of life would just come and, and flock to Jesus, no matter what their background was, no matter what their experience was, no matter what their situation was, no matter what their condition was, that they just flocked to Jesus? Do you know that they, were already, they already felt condemned, but they were able to come to Jesus? What was it about Jesus that people that were considered bad people, people that were considered evil, people that were considered outcasts, had no problem coming to Jesus and speaking to Jesus and seeking out to Jesus. I want to submit to you today is because Jesus always changed the environment that he was in. That the moment Jesus walked into a judgmental environment, he came and brought grace into that environment. And it all starts in John chapter 3, verse 17. Look what it says. 
I love John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish and have everlasting life. See, I memorized that. You know why? Because I'm a pastor. <laughs> but we forget about John 17 and it says God did not. Someone shout did not. It says, God did not send his son into the world to judge the world and condemn the world, but to be its savior. He, he, let me tell you why I didn't send my son. It seems to me, and it's interesting, that John seems to think that it's important to state the reason why Jesus did not come into this world. It seems like he wants to highlight why God did not send his son. As if to say, just in case you got it confused, just in case you have a propensity to think that God is sending Jesus to judge and condemn the world, er, you might have it wrong. Here's the reason why he came. He came to rescue it, to heal it, to set it free from sin and to save it from its wrath let me tell you why jesus on earth practiced this because it's the reason that he was sent he was sent to save the world and to rescue the world it's no wonder when you see jesus what do you see oh he's rescuing people he's healing people he's saving people he's lifting people He's helping people. You know what Jesus is never doing? You'll never find it in the scripture where Jesus looks at a sinner and condemns him. You see, and I'm sorry if there's some religious folk in the house. I see your neck, your neck twitching. But what did Jesus do? He created an environment that was judgment-free. And I was looking at some of the interactions that Jesus had with some of the people in some of the places and some of these occasions. And what I immediately began to realize that he would walk into a situation and he would change the environment. He never rushed into judgment, but he rushed in with grace. Where there was an opportunity to be critical, he showed concern. Where there were circumstances that he could have blamed people for their wrong actions and decisions, what he chose was not to blame, but to proclaim blessing upon their life. And I ran into this one, and, 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 it's, and this fascinated me. I found this in Luke chapter 19, and the way the Lord showed me this was amazing. Because in Luke chapter uh, 19, what we find is a man named Zacchaeus. Everybody shout Zacchaeus. And this man, Zacchaeus, the Bible says this, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but, Jesus, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed the sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. Now, I want you to know something about, about the Bible, that the Bible doesn't put any detail there by coincidence. There is something that the author always wants to communicate when it comes to what you read in Scripture. The details are there for a reason. And so when you hear Jesus say, Zacchaeus, come down from the tree, it's not there by accident. See, Jesus didn't always refer to people by their name. And so when you look at Jesus referring to someone by their name, it's there for a reason. The other thing is that you'll see is that they describe the person's uh, uh, work. It says that he was a chief tax collector, which means to this, let me give you some details, so just to give you a picture of what Jesus is speaking into here you have Zacchaeus you might look at him he's, he's sure we should feel bad for him but what you'll see is that Zacchaeus was actually a, a chief tax collector which means this that that he was an extorter of his own people Zacchaeus was I want you to look at it this way Zacchaeus was a bad man Zacchaeus was a bad person this is the kind of person that people would look at him and he'd be like, yeah, he's, he, he's a backstabber. Yeah, like this guy right here, do you know, do you know him? Like, how does, he, how does Jesus even know his name? Because the last time I looked at him, I just called him a thief and a crook. This is a bad person. This is a person that was, that was extorting his own people. The Bible says that he was wealthy, watch this, but the Bible says that he was wealthy out of extorting people because he was a chief tax collector. See, if you were a tax collector, you were already working for the Roman government, which showed that you were a backstabber to your own people. And even worse, you would extort your own, your own people because if you had taxes, let's say about $1,000, and you were a tax collector, you would collect the, the tax that belonged to Rome. But you know what else you would do? You, would, you were able, you were actually empowered to collect 30% more than what was already owed. And so, Zach, if you owed the government $1,000... He would charge you 1300 
I did the math for you. And by the way, 10% is a tithe. I'm just, I'm just joking. That was, that was funnier than what you guys, anyway. 30% and they would charge 1300 He would pocket the 300 and then he would give 1000 And so for sure, socially, Zach was known by everyone, but he was despised by everyone. See, Zach was someone, he was known by everybody, but he wasn't popular with anyone. And it's in this very context, I mean, that you look at this man, and I look at him, and I'm like, man, he has so much to judge. That is, that's an easy target. How many know that you see somebody that's betraying his own people? You see somebody that is extorting their own people? You see someone that's making himself rich off the backs of the poor? You look at him, and you're like, man, he is an easy target. For sure, the crowd would have looked at Zacchaeus and said, man, you're a crook. You're a thief. You're an embezzler. You're a gangster, and you're always going to be that way. But you know what Jesus says in that very moment? He says, Zacchaeus. See, right off the surface, you look at it and you're like, yeah, that's, that's his name. But I want to submit to you today, as I, I was looking at this very detail, I looked up the name Zacchaeus. And you know what it, I found it to be? Put that up on the screen. Zacchaeus means pure, clean, righteous, and innocent. <sighs> You see, before Zacchaeus was ever known of being a crooked tax collector, his mom gave him a name that in those times your name was based upon your intention. And he wanted to remind Zacchaeus that before you were ever a chief tax collector, before you were ever a sinner, that's what the crowd was calling him. Hey, you're going to go eat with that filthy sinner? You're going to go eat to his house with a sinner? How are you going to go eat with a sinner? See, they had already labeled him by his condition. But here's what I want you to know about this church community, that we're going to take note from this, and here's what I want you to write down. A judgment-free zone is a place where you declare God's intention and not judge you for your current condition. A judgment-free zone is a place where you declare God's intention and not judge you for your current condition. What did Jesus do? He declared his current, he didn't declare his current condition, which is what the crowd was doing. And unfortunately, the church has become famous for, for speaking over people's current condition. We become famous by looking at people and thinking that they're going to be stuck in that chapter for the rest of their life. But what Jesus did, he says, Listen, I'm not going to judge you because you're in your current condition. I'm going to declare what God's original intention was for your life. And this is the kind of Savior that we follow. And we're going to follow his model. In other words, I'm not going to look at you and declare your current condition and say you're filthy, you're dirty, you're unrighteous, you're unholy. I'm going to remind you that God has an intention for you. And I'm going to do like Jesus. Hey, I know you're in a situation when everybody sees you as a backstab and a betrayer but let me remind you what God spoke to your mother from the very beginning you are Zacchaeus man I'm telling you right now that Jesus will declare you clean in the middle of your filth Jesus will declare you righteous in the middle of your unrighteousness Jesus will declare you holy in the middle of your unholiness Jesus will declare you saved sealed and sanctified even in the middle of your sin Jesus will call, declare you faithful in the middle of your unfaithfulness I need you to know something about this church community that this is going to be a church community where the environment is a judgmental free zone. Come on, you can give God some praise for that. Jesus was just doing what his daddy was doing because Moses, when God called him, he didn't call him a stutterer or a murderer. He called him a deliverer. He didn't call Abraham sterile. He called him a father of many nations. He didn't call Gideon a man of fear. He called him a man of valor. He didn't call Peter a denier, a coward, and a doubter. No, he called him a rock on which the church will be planted on. Because it's in that space that people's life flourish. I want to be honest. I don't want to be the kind of community. I need you to know this about this church. That I don't ever want to be the kind of community that is able to form people in a compliance line. 
And what I mean by that is that you look the part, you act the part just to please your pastor and just to please your leader. And you just want to look the part and act the part just so that you won't be judged. This is not behavior modification. And I think sometimes we get it the wrong way. I'd rather take longer allowing the Holy Spirit to transform your heart than take minutes just you playing the part. Mm-hmm. That was good, y'all. I'm just saying I'm preaching better than you amen right now. This is a judgment-free zone. And what I've discovered is that there's so many people that they can easily fall in line with the area of judging people. And then rather than you have a conversation with them, you end up criticizing them. And this brings me to my second point. I want you to write this down. A judgment-free zone is a place where care and connection is valued more than rushing to correction. I'm going to say that again, that a judgment-free zone is where care and connection is valued more than rushing into correction. Uh, now, I want to make sure that you're listening to what I'm saying and you're not listening to what I'm not saying, come on, because I know somebody's going to walk out this place and be like, do you know I heard Pastor Ho, he said the correction is not important in this house, I'm leaving. That's what happens. Some of those people will be calling me, they call me the wrong thing. I'm like, I didn't say that. That's what you heard. That's not what I said. <laughs> Pastor Ho, he said the correction is that that church, they don't correct nobody. They don't correct nobody in that church. They're a bunch of, you know, they fly all over the place. They don't do nothing. They sing songs. The pastor's wash. Her hair's going all over the place. She just put it in a bomb. <laughs> they don't correct her. And what I'm saying is not that we're not going to correct what I'm saying is that way before we rush to correction, we're going to focus on caring and connection. I need you to hear me. What happens is that sometimes we are so quick to correct the behavior rather than connecting with the person. We're so quick to correct a behavior without the person ever getting the sense that you care for them and have connected with them. And listen to me. We then become about rules rather than relationships. We become about the principle rather than the person. And I need you to catch this because this is what was happening in the ancient Jewish world. That by this time they cared more about the principles and about the rules and about the regulations. Not realizing that those things were created for people, not people for those things. This is why Jesus says, hey, you're criticizing my disciples, but it's because you got the order wrong. You've made it more about the rule, and you forgot that the rule is actually to bless and benefit the person. This is why he says, man wasn't created for the Sabbath. It was the Sabbath that was created for man. In Mark chapter 2, it says, one Sabbath, Jesus and his disciples were walking through a field of wheat, and the disciples were hungry. So they plucked off some heads of grain to eat. But when some of the Pharisees saw what was happening, and they said, look, your disciples shouldn't be harvesting grain on the Sabbath. That's how they sound in my head. The disciples shouldn't be, dude, you shouldn't be, you should not be doing that. Do you know something about the disciples? That they weren't lying. They were actually speaking the truth. But listen to me. Some of the most judgmental people are judging other people in the name of, I'm speaking the truth. Some of the most judgmental people are judging people in the name of, listen, I'm just speaking the truth. And the, fame, the church has become famous for speaking the truth. So what happens is, is that we begin to use the truth as our justification to judge people. Well, I'm, uh, well, I'm saying, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not judging them. I'm just speaking the truth. You know, I got to tell them, you got to tell people the truth sometimes. You know what I'm saying? These are all the characters that live in my brain. <laughs> you just got to tell people. You know, you got to tell them like, sometimes you got to tell people the truth. And if you're scared of the truth, no, 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 no. You've made it more about the principle than you have about the person. 
I, I literally saw this. I saw this on video the other day, and I was just bewildered because what I saw was a man get up on a Target stand, and he stood up on a, on a table in Target, and he yelled at the top of his lungs, and this is what he said. He says, this is so that you won't have an excuse on the day of judgment. This is what you haven't said nothing. Oh, you said this is so. He stands up, literally, you see it from the very beginning. He gives the man the camera. He says, I need you to catch this on video. He gets on the, on the stand and he goes, this is so that you won't have an excuse on the day of judgment. You need to repent from your sins. Oh, I do it real good. Let me tell you, I do it real good. This is repent from your sins, turn from your wicked ways. He comes down the table and it's almost as he forgot. He gets back on the table. He goes, Jesus loves you. What's happening here? He stopped caring about the very people that he was trying to preach to. It's almost that he was more concerned with trying to follow a command on his own part than the very people that he was called to partner with. Can I tell you what can use a judgment-free zone in your life? Your family. This is a mentality that just doesn't just exist in church. It exists in our family upbringing. And there's so many, I want to say this, parents, can I tell you what can be amazing for your parenting? Creating an environment for your kids to flourish. And the way you can create an environment for your kids to flourish is not just being about the rules. And all the parents, don't say amen right now, just stay right there. I need you to be at a place where we can, hey, it's okay to see your kids fail and not judge them for it. Because oftentimes, the, oftentimes seeing our kids fail has become more about our own failure in our own hearts, in our own judgment, in our own heart. And they're just reflecting what we feel in our own heart. So because they have failed, you look at yourself and you think you have failed as a parent. And so you judge them because you've already judged yourself in your heart. So we need to be able to create an environment where your children don't feel like you're just trying to correct them and just try to uh, uh, comply with a set of rules, but that your children can feel like they can mess up, that they can make mistakes, that they can be honest without being chastised by you, without, without being criticized by you, by, but without you giving them, you should know better talk. Oh, I'm a professional at that you should know better talk. God got to save me from my own, you should, be, you should know better talk. You know, that, that, that's my talk. My talk is you should know better. And you know what? Judgment is hidden under the language of you should know better. Because see, judgment doesn't just come in words. It comes in a look and it comes in tone. And so many times we're saying, hey, but I'm speaking the truth here, but your tone is wrong and, you're, and fix your face. <laughs> you know your face becomes used to the face that you're making often? Some of us have condemnation in our own face. That wasn't meant to be a joke, but it was funny. I'm just... <laughs> Some of us have the continents of our face say condemnation. And I, just, I don't know about you, but I want to be the kind of church community that from, from, from our leaders to everybody on the dream team to the entire church, that we can be the kind of church that surprises people about our care. What do I mean? What I mean that when you rush with care and when you rush with connection rather than rushing with correction, that people will be like, why are you helping me? Why are you, why are you by my side? Why are you looking after me? Aren't you going to tell me that I need to stop smoking cigarettes? Aren't you going to tell me that I need to stop cursing? Aren't you going to tell me that I need to stop drinking? Aren't you going to tell me that I got to make better decisions? Aren't you going to tell me? No, 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 no. No, I just, I just want to be by your side and I'm going to care for you and I'm going to love you and I'm going to be by you and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get you to where you need to be without judging you without condemning you, without making you feel like you're worthless or you're a failure. I'm here for the long haul. I'm not here to just drop a message and tell you what you need to do and walk away. I'm here to lift you up, remind you of God's intention for your life and care for you throughout the process. Come on, if you believe that in this place, give God a praise. Man. 
you know, the woman, let's be honest, the woman that was with a, walking with an issue of blood, she broke so many rules, and that would have been a perfect time for Jesus to have corrected her. She was breaking so many rules, just walking with a blood issue and, run, and walking to Jesus. And she touches Jesus, and that would have been a perfect time for Jesus to be like, how are you going to touch me when you are unclean according to the Levitical law? How are you going to touch me? This is a perfect time for me to correct you. This is a perfect time for me to tell you what you're doing wrong. This is a perfect time for me to show you what you need to do right. You know what Jesus did? He said, my daughter. What did he do? He connected with her. What did he do? He cared for her. What did he do? He paused bringing someone else's miracle to make her a priority and to have her experience her miracle. You know why she was able to flourish in that place? Because it was a judgment-free zone. Jesus doesn't rush to correct. He rushes to care. Jesus was always creating a judgment-free zone. It was a place where people can be who they are as they are without any expectation of judgment. Like, I could just imagine Zach, right? Let's go back to Zach. I could imagine, I could imagine Zach. Zach was like, you're calling me? Yeah, I'm calling you. Like, how do, how do you even know my name? Yeah, I know you probably forgot. Zacchaeus, people are so used to calling me a thief. This woman, they're so used to calling me the, you know, the woman with that issue. And you know you got some woman in your life that you call her the woman of that issue? You know her. And you put her, her dilemma and her situation. You know her, the one with the stank mouth. You know him. I'm not going to even look that way no more. I'm just going to preach on this side right here. Amens are coming too convicted from that area right there. I'm just. <laughs> I could imagine Zacchaeus. Now, now, let me remind you, Zacchaeus, that that's what life has made you into. But that's not my intention for you. The last point I want to bring to you is this write this down that a judgment free zone is a place where you're not looked down upon because you sin differently. I want to give you this experience that took place, and it comes from John chapter 8, where a woman is caught in the very act of adultery. And many of us know this passage has been preached from this altar and from this pulpit several times in John chapter 8. And what the Bible says is that this woman was caught in the very act of adultery, and according to the law, she was to be stoned to death, which means that she was to be beaten with rocks until she was bloodied up and until she was passed out and dead. In other words, until her head was crushed and until she was dead, they would not stop throwing rocks. But Jesus is asked by the Pharisees, Jesus, the law of Moses says to stone her. What, did, what do you say? And initially, Jesus ignores her and they continue. And then he gets up and he goes to her. And I want you to read what he says. It says, they kept demanding an answer. Because you know that's what judgment does, right? Judgment keeps demanding. Condemnation keeps demanding. You know what the voice of judgment and condemnation always is? You're not enough. You're not enough. That's the perpetual message of condemnation and judgment is always, no matter what you do, no matter how good you do it, it's never enough. And so for you, you might have started in a place that you feel condemned and you feel judged. And it's like, well, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not serving God. Well, I'll start going to church. Then the message of condemnation says, okay, you're going to church, but you're not going to church enough. Then you go to church. Oh, you're going to church, but you're not. You're going to church enough, but you're not praying at home because, you know, you, you lift your hands in church, but you go back and you live the way you want. Well, it's not enough. Oh, you're praying now. I see you praying your five minutes, but you ain't praying in like an hour like Pastor Marquez. It's the, it's the constant voice of judgment. It's never enough. 
It's never enough. Oh, you praying and fasting, but you didn't fast like Pastor Rowe. Oh, you, pray, you, you prayed and fasted and you, and you did that, but guess what? You're not serving. It's the perpetual message that no matter what you do, how you do it, how well or how many times you do it, it is never enough. And we live this cyclical pattern even in our religious circles of condemnation. And instead of God's grace being our motivation, we are motivated by condemnation. And when you are motivated by condemnation... It is grueling, it is exhausting, and it strips you from any joy of your relationship with Jesus. So they run and they bring Jesus to this woman. And I want you to look at what Jesus says. He says, they demanded an answer and he stood up as the worship team comes up. It says, all right, all right, you got my attention. But let the one who has never sinned Throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. And when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning from the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd. Watch this. I can hear, I need you to write this down. A judgment-free zone is where you're not looked down upon because you sin differently. And I want you to hear what I'm saying and not hear what I'm not saying. Listen to me clearly. Because I know somebody, again, is going to walk out of this place and be like, you know what? They don't look down on, you know what I'm saying? They don't look down on sin in that church. They, they just let anybody do what they want in that church. I tell you right now, that's not, that not Christ's life right there. They, you better not go to that church. They just exalt sin in that church. You can live the way you want, do whatever you want, smoke how many you want, live who you want, you want sleep who you want. That's what they do in that church. All right. I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. I'm saying a judgment-free zone is where you're not looked down upon because you sin differently. You know why? Because so often it's the case with humanity that we become good judges of other people. Can we just lower that uh, amp? That we become good judges of other people. We become good judges of other people's sin. But then we become good lawyers of our very own. When Lisa and I started this church, we looked at what Staten Island looked like. So this is not the kind of church we want to be. We don't want to be the kind of church that has a hierarchy of sins. We don't want to be the kind of church community that looks at your sin and says, well, your sin is greater than mine. I've literally, listen to me, I've literally seen people judge other people for a fractured hairline of a difference between their sins. Let's be honest. You see her, she having a kid out of wedlock. She had three of them. I only had one. I got my act together. Come on. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen you judge people just because they were literally one level, according to your estimation, one level lower of sin than you. You saw him? He, you know, that's why he's the way he is. Because he's over here sleeping around with whoever. I mean, I remember I used to do that and I was having a good time, but you know, I'm not like that no more. so good at being judges over the sins of others and such good lawyers for the sins of our own oh my god he's on drugs I don't do drugs I'll just do that you know you know what I'm saying that's not even a drug you know that's what we do and so we stand up on our self-righteous thrones and look down at the pawns of other people's sins because they are they're just one notch according to your estimation we said that we're going to be the kind of church that's not going to have a hierarchy of sins you know why here's why because i could imagine jesus just sitting down as he's being demanded hey what does the law say 
And what do you say? And I can see Jesus, Pastor Marquez, and he's saying, listen, if you have no sin, go ahead, throw the first stone at her. If you think you're sinless, the reason that I'm saying that is because you have exalted your self-righteousness. You have exalted her sin to be more egregious than yours. But what you don't realize is that your sin, no matter how small you think it is, will cost me the same price as it, it would be for hers. You know why there's no hierarchy of sin? Because at the end of the day, no matter how polished your sin is, no matter how small your sin is, it costs Jesus the same price as the sin of the adulterer, as the sin as the tax collector, of the sin of the murderer, of the sin of the racist, of the sin of the molester. Guess what? It cost Jesus the same. You know, I'm gonna be honest, when, when, when everything came out during the pandemic, and there were so many people clamoring for justice. I, I genuinely believe this. And listen to me. Listen to, my, listen to the depths of my heart here. I need, you to know, I need you to know this about this church community. That when we're clamoring for justice, we have to be careful. Because if clamoring for justice is going to be our beck and call... What are we clamoring for when justice wasn't served in your own life? We want justice. I'm like, no, no I don't want justice, Lord, because of you. Because I know me. I know me. I know what I've done. I know the, 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 the punishment that I deserve. And we have to be careful with clamoring for justice as believers. I'm not talking about from, from a social standpoint. I'm not talking about from, from, I'm not talking about even from a government standpoint, from a political standpoint. I'm, I'm talking about from a believer standpoint. It's hard for me to clamor for the justice of someone else, for someone else to be punished, so for someone else to get what they deserve when God didn't give me what I deserve. And God loves Listen to me. We've seen it happen. We've seen it happen. God loves the racist. God loves the child molester. I know that's not popular. Don't get me wrong. Right? You hear that and I'm like, oh my God, Ro, what are you saying? Because if someone did something to my kids, I was scared, I retire from a pastor today and I spend the rest of my days trying to get justice. And I keep hearing the Holy Spirit saying, I love them. I love Zacchaeus. I love them. They need me too. I'm not saying that their consequences for their sin on earth is not to be. If it's for them to go to jail, it's for them to pay for the consequence. Guess what? Sin has consequences here on earth. It does. But at the end of the day, Man, how can we elevate ourselves in our self-righteous throne and look at other people and be like, could you believe what they did? Could you believe what he did? Could you believe, like, I've been in that place too. You've been in that place too. Maybe not physically, but here. And according to the Bible, if it's happened here, it's already happened in your heart and you're already guilty of the same sin according to God because he's not looking for behavior modification. That's helpful and that's great. But he's looking for heart transformation. And the reason that it's all so easy for the church to judge people is because we possess, we just give out what we're filled with. We just give out what we're filled with. And so we're judging our kids, we're judging our peers. You know why? Because somewhere down the line, somewhere back then, someone judged you and condemned you and made you feel like you needed to prove your worth. We're just giving out what we were filled with. So how do we create a judgment-free zone when we're filled with judgment? We realize that Jesus paid the price for every single sin that was ever committed, past, present, and future. And listen, we realize that Jesus has already settled the judgment situation. He's already settled it. We have to settle that in our hearts, that Jesus 
will never look upon you with eyes of judgment and condemnation. For the Bible says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and are walking according to his purpose. There is no, none, zilch, nada, thing, nothing, no, none. I'll say it in Portuguese. Nada. Nothing. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I'll never forget the day where God called me to that 40-day fast and I fast and I walked on this self-righteous podium thinking that I'll be able to look at people and read their mail and I was like man I'm gonna be able to look at Daisy and be like you know what you did last night because the Lord showed it to me for 40 days the Holy Spirit just wrecked me that's why when people are like Pastor Rowe you preach this message of God's grace so much and like because you don't know what I've experienced because God took me for 40 days, page after page, page after page, and he said, you've been preaching my message wrong. I had to look at all my leaders in the face, and I had to look at my leaders in the face and says, listen, for the last whatever time you guys been, I've been doing it wrong. The Holy Spirit has just transformed my heart. And what the Holy Spirit did for 40 days as, as I wasn't eating, he kept showing me his love and kept showing me, watch this, simultaneously how self-righteous I was and how ugly I was on the inside not to expose me but just to show me hey you think I only love you because you look polished but you see that part of you that you keep trying to hide from me I love you even with that this church that we will never preach a message of judgment and condemnation because God's judgment and wrath has already been satisfied on the cross and according to Romans chapter 8 it says therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus why is this a judgment-free zone? I need you to know that about this church. It's a judgment-free zone because God is going to always speak your intention and not judge you for your current condition. Because God is going to rush to connect with you and care for you and not just to correct you and give you truth about rules. The Bible says that you ought to speak the truth, but in love, in love. In other words, your truth is really tempered and tailored and shaped by the love you have for people. Why are you speaking truth when you're not connected with someone? At one time in the early part of this church, somebody got on this pulpit and looked at people Somebody got on this pulpit and looked at people and said, why would you call yourself a Christian? Why would you call yourself a Christian and you walk outside and you never talk about it? The moment that brother got off the pulpit, I brought him to the back. I said, brother, respectfully, and I had already connected them and I cared with them. And I said, brother, respectfully, how could you stand on a pulpit? and say you got this thing perfect and look at people when you're not like that one-on-one. -on -one. It's very cowardly to stand up on a pulpit and judge people. It's very cowardly to judge people you've never met and you've never heard their story. To me, I look at it and I'm like, yeah, God didn't call us to step on our self-righteous pulpits and just look at people and condemn them and condemn their actions. This is why this will, be, this will always be a place where you see people grow and flourish and bloom. Why? Because there's a space where you can come as you are and when you come as you are God deals with who you are not who you pretend to be and so now you're fully exposed before him Lord here is my dryness here's my dead place here is the thing that I why because I'm not looking to get judged by it I'm not looking to get criticized by it I'm not looking to be condemned by it I'm looking now to exchange it for his beauty exchange it for his love exchange it for his forgiveness exchange it for his Let's get up on our feet. Let's get up on our feet. In the last year, there's been a lot of judgment 
a lot of accusation, a lot of condemnation throughout the world. And it somehow seeped into the church. And I get it, we all have our things to champion. We all have our things that, that pull us, that we want to champion, that we want it to be our call. I just think a lot of hurt has taken place. A lot of hurt has taken place. A lot of hurt has taken place. And I just want to say, from the bottom of my heart, if you ever been judged by the church and hurt by the church, I want to say I'm sorry. On behalf of the person that has hurt you, on the behalf of the church has hurt you, even if it was this church that hurt you, I just want to say I'm sorry on behalf of God. Because the Bible says that we were called to be ministers of reconciliation, which is what he has done already. And so we're, we're here to say sorry. But I tell you this, the Bible says that love prospers where forgiveness is present. And so I could imagine a place where love fills this room and love comes rushing in like a flood because forgiveness is taking place. Would you, would you mind just holding the hand of the person next to you? Just one hand, person next to you. I don't know why the Holy Spirit is bringing me to this place, but I want you to, I want you to say this. Holy Spirit, thank you for your love. Stay right there. That's it. Holy Spirit, thank you for your love. Say it again. Say, Holy Spirit, I receive your love. Receive his love. Watch what happens. He's going to push all that condemnation out. He's going to push all that fear out. He's going to push it out. Say, Holy Spirit, allow me to love freely. If you're in this place and you want to encounter that love and you want to meet Jesus, and you want to encounter the presence of God in your heart, if you're in this place, if you say, hey, I want to, I want to follow Jesus, I want to pray for you. And if you're in this place and you say, Pastor Roe, there's been condemnation in my heart. And I've only been given what has been dealt to me. I believe God can transform your life right now at this very moment in this judgment-free zone. If that's you in this house, I just want you to lift your hand at a count of three. One, two, three. If you're in this place, lift it up, lift it up, lift it up, lift it up in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I see the hand. Put your hand right back down. Let's declare this together. Say, dear Jesus. I give you my life, I receive your love, and I'm a new creation. Thank you for forgiving my sins. From this day forth, I walk in a judgment-free zone. I receive your love to give it to a world. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Now I dare you to celebrate Jesus in this place.